and welcome to the Feminine Profiles podcast. I'm your host, Brooke Baldwin. My intention for this show is to create a space for open conversations with women from all backgrounds, to shed light on stories of entrepreneurship, creativity, human potential, and self-expression. Join me here every week for another dose of inspiration and a new feminine profile. Hello and welcome back to the Feminine Profiles podcast. I am re-recording this intro and first probably half of this podcast just because, I don't know, it's crazy how when you listen back, you learn so much more about what you said and what you set out to say but then didn't and went on different tangents and took things in different directions. So I just wanted to properly introduce this episode and what I would be chatting about because originally I really wanted to answer people's questions on my work and how I crafted this working style for myself and how I got consulting clients and how I structure my time and how I managed the financials of it all and how I overcame the any confidence issues when moving into this work but I ended up not really getting into any of that because I spent a long time talking about some personal life updates and then I really went into um, covering my relationship with my anxiety and um, what that has looked like in my life and even releasing that part is hard because there's so much context I did not give and so many more stories I didn't share and so many more like intricacies and nuance and there's it's hard when you're kind of sharing this with people that don't know the full story and context but um I have full trust that it will land how it's supposed to but for starters um I in this episode go into updating everyone that I'm pregnant and that I didn't realize at the time of launching this podcast, but I was already a few weeks pregnant and um, just how crazy that was with trying to manage the exhaustion with um, my work and while still like editing and learning how to um, support a podcast and um, releasing them and all of that and recording with guests. I quickly learned that overscheduling was not supportive for the long term. It absolutely was fun and I learned a lot at the early stages of interviewing guests. I had like three to four people some weeks. Luckily, that kind of worked in my favor because then, um, you know, in the later weeks of my first trimester, I got to totally take time off from recording and I passed on the editing to someone who was a listener. Now she supports me with editing guest episodes, but now um, I'm back in the schedule of recording one to two guests a week so that is a much more manageable schedule now but yeah just I went into what my pregnancy has felt like so far um what the conception journey felt like and how it was um very effortless and peaceful for us you know I go into all the symptoms and exhaustion and food aversion so it wasn't like smooth once um once I was fully in it but Um, The early stages were 
a very peaceful experience for us and we're so excited and this morning we had another checkup and it was so crazy before it was just like a tiny little thing the size of I mean the first time I got an ultrasound I was at five and a half weeks so you don't even see you don't see anything all you see is this literal spark of light and that light is they check to make sure it's beating at a certain rate and it's literally like this speck of light that's starting life and it was so nuts um but you kind of are confused because you don't feel um you don't see anything you don't even see a baby at that point so you're you're kind of just patiently waiting what comes next and then we saw it again around a month ago and totally saw a little what looked like a gummy bear and it was so cute and still so healthy but then when we saw it today it was literally a baby human it was nuts it literally looked like a cartoon it was super chill just like relaxing and then all of a sudden we were looking at the screen and it started jumping around like literally bouncing off the walls spinning it did a full spin and then it looked like it was just like when you're at the bottom of the pool and like push off the ground it was wild to see so that was so fun and so exciting and we're we're just so excited for our may baby it'll either be a little crazy gemini or if it comes early it would be a taurus but we do know the gender now which is so exciting and makes it feel even more real and um so yeah i go into some of that and then i also like i mentioned go into my relationship with my mind and how that has really evolved and improved over the past um, now almost 10 years and what tools I have used to stay present, stay in the observer mindset, stay non-attached to these thoughts that really like to drag me around and try to run the show. And so I would say I've been much more consistent in recent years with the tools that I use that help me stay in that centered state and help me stay grounded and help me stay connected with my um, myself and my faith and my groundedness. Um, I touch on some tools that have helped me. Um, I touch on those briefly, but then I also just give context to what that journey has looked like because... I have just felt like I have entered a new phase of relating to those stories in my head the past year and it's been a very freeing and liberating feeling because if you have dealt with anxiety, if you've dealt with OCD, if you've dealt with anything in your head that just tries to um, run the show, it's a it's exhausting and it's terrifying and it's lonely and it's it holds you captive from literally just living your life and so being able to find tools that help you stay centered in a state of presence and joy and peace and non-attachment are have been critical to me and allowing me to experience joy because what those things did not allow me to feel was joy because if I felt joy like don't feel joy it will be taken away in the next moment 
or here's a new thing you can worry about, or here's a new phobia you can fixate on, or um, this person could leave tomorrow, or this job could be taken from you, or you could be out on the street, like take it as extreme as you want. Any joy can be taken from you, so don't feel it. That's what my mind used to tell me, and it really is debilitating because it takes you out of the present moment. You're either ruminating on the past and things that happened or you are so far out in the future trying to control a situation or you're so far out in the future and you're like excited about that thing so far out in the future that it's tiring you're not leaving room for spontaneity you're not allowing room for flexibility you're not allowing things to change and shift and um, move with the seasons and how you're feeling so I used to go very, very far out in the future. And so these tools that I touch on, and I don't even go too in-depth, but reading books on faith and religion and spirituality and working with Buddhist teachers and my Reiki teacher who shares books on Dharma and Buddhism and and all these uh, philosophies have been instrumental in allowing me to quickly shift any sensations and feelings and thinking patterns that aren't healthy or aren't real or aren't productive or aren't worth your time. I was listening to the episode of Adam Grant, the writer and psychologist. He was on Jay Shetty's podcast and I really love that one, but they we're touching on anxiety, I think. I'm not remembering, but I just remember the quote. He said, um, where are your feet, not where is your head? Because what this anxiety used to do to me is take me out of any moment I was in and take me out of any presence and any connection and any um, scenario. And anything can do that to you in life. Like if something bad happens to you, if something joyful happens to you, if someone passes, if you got an amazing achievement, like anything can take you out of where you are in this room, in this space, in this world, and it can throw you for a loop. And so I'm really trying to remember always and come back to that remembrance of where is your body. And likely if you're listening to this podcast, like you are safe in this moment. I've been blessed to never physically be unsafe ever. And so how crazy is it that your mind freaks you out all the time? Like it's absolutely not worth it. And um, I love Buddhism because it has such acknowledgement for suffering and how life is suffering and so how do we end suffering how do we what is the path to ending suffering and that is buddhism it's literally like how can we shift our relationship with suffering because life is suffering and of course i'm not saying like my life has been suffering i have so much joy and so many blessings and i'm so happy um i'm so happy so much of the time but uh, our mind likes to play tricks, and so keeping consistent with returning to these tools have been so helpful for me. So yeah, this was a very long intro, and it's almost like a podcast about another podcast, but I'll just now ease into the other recording that I already recorded several days ago, but I felt like the intro wasn't representative of 
what I ended up reflecting on. So wanted to give a little bit more context. But yeah, I hope you enjoy it. I have so much more to share always and would love to hear if you like solo episodes or if you prefer guest ones. I'm happy to do more solos um, and go on more endless tangents on just things that are on my mind. But yeah, I'm sending you lots of love and I will talk to you soon. And then for the personal life updates, I didn't know when I launched this podcast, but when I put out my first episode a few months ago, I was already a few weeks pregnant. So I am now in the very early weeks of my second trimester and I just feel so happy, so blessed trying to be so present in this moment. It's totally out of your control how to prepare for it and what will come up for you um, personally. Those first two months, I was so exhausted to the point where like you feel like you're on sleeping pills. You feel exhausted from week like four to nine. I would get in bed at like three o'clock, read a book or watch Suits and just like you, you feel like you're in a dream. You feel so exhausted and then no food sounded good to me. Uh, in those early weeks as well. I did still make sure to eat pretty often, like eat every two to three hours. Otherwise, you just start to feel, felt like car sickness. Um, You just get super queasy. I was never like truly nauseous or um, throwing up, but you just feel, felt truly like I was car sick um, if I I went a while without eating. So I did eat plenty, but uh, nothing sounded good. Any sort of raw vegetables or like salad really freaked me out. What has sounded good is chicken and steak sometimes, not always. Eggs are a big, were a big no. Now I can eat them again. Um, But oh my gosh, they were freaking me out. So disgusting. Uh, But I love eggs, so I'm eating them again. And then yogurt has always been good. Um, cheese, and then fruit, oranges I literally have for a day. I brought them on a like a weekend trip with me, me thinking there's not going to be a grocery store in Texas. I literally brought like nine <laughs> oranges with me on the plane. Um, so oranges, apples, blueberries, and then yeah, just a lot of protein. Um, but yeah, so those early weeks, I was exhausted. I was not cooking because things like I said, didn't sound lovely or appetizing. So I couldn't even dream up something to cook because it all was like, nah, nothing, nothing sounds appetizing. But I'm finally cooking again um, and I have my energy back. So it has been a good past like two to three weeks feeling more like myself, just feeling super blessed and happy and excited for this journey and kind of just surrendering into it. And then also I know everyone's fertility journey, conception journey um, is so personal and so unique to each person and each relationship. Um, But in case, in case the things that I did that made it a very easeful process for us uh, are helpful, then I'm happy to share. So I've mentioned this on other podcasts, but I went off birth control uh, last summer 
after being on it off and on since like 2014. So uh, I was on it for quite a bit in college and then after graduating and then I took a break when I was maybe 24 and then I went on it for a year and then I went off of it last year when I was 27. So yeah, I had been off and uh, found that my cycle went back to normal and I was ovulating, but I think it's a good exercise to go through. If you know that you plan to have kids and you're on birth control and just don't really know what's going on behind the scenes, it's it's either reassuring or empowering to know what you can do for your body. So I did that and so that had been a little over a year off at the time that we got pregnant and then I also had been taking prenatals since May, so I had been on them for about three months prior to getting pregnant as well. And then I also gave up alcohol beginning of June, except for like a maybe a drink a month. But yeah, I've never been a big drinker. And when I say that, I mean, I've never enjoyed drinking. What I do enjoy is like having a very good time with my friends. And so oftentimes those two went together, but I knew that as soon as I got married, I wanted to stop drinking because I know how impactful alcohol is in fertility, both for men and women. And so I knew that I wanted to kind of feel clear-headed going into this next chapter, welcoming the conception journey I knew I wanted to feel super clear-headed so that also kind of went off the table and so it's funny right after the wedding everyone already thought we were pregnant because I wasn't drinking and I was like no I swear I'm just drank plenty at my bachelorette this winter at my wedding like I need to take a break I don't know if I will go back to drinking until I'm like through having all my kids I'm um, really feeling called to be present in the breastfeeding process. Won't be drinking then. I know some people do, and that's totally fine, but also alcohol just makes me insanely anxious and panicky and doesn't make me feel clear-headed in my body and like present. It makes me kind of spin in my head. And so, and so yeah, if I'm not drinking when I'm breastfeeding and then I'm already going into... Uh, welcoming another child like I just don't really see much room for that but we'll see I will keep you all and myself updated (laughs) but yeah so was off birth control taking prenatals not having much alcohol at all if any I also was in a very creative phase of life and I talked about this with my good friend and meditation teacher Paula Malice. We talked about how welcoming in children and entering the phase of motherhood is totally a creative process. And so if you already are working from that second chakra energy and operating from pleasure and joy and creativity and creation, all of that same chakra energy is linked to sexuality and enjoyment of life. And it's related to your emotions, it's related to your desires, and then it's also super closely linked with your reproduction because it's the chakra that, you know, sits right below your belly button, it's your womb space, it's where you birth things into life. I truly believe that if you have life force flowing through 
this space in your body and energy is flowing clearly. I think it is super closely linked with, you know, how easeful this process was for us. And we also didn't really have any pressure. We didn't set out to, you know, say this is the month that we're trying to get pregnant. We kind of just both knew the days that I was ovulating because I've been on natural cycles for a year. I knew the five days a month that, you know, you're in the green zone. So it wasn't even really spoken about. It wasn't a conversation. It was just kind of a welcoming and opening, a being receptive to the possibility. And so there was a general theme of connection to creativity and not getting too attached to any specific outcome or grasping too hard. It was just um, a peaceful, beautiful scenario until all the exhaustion hit. And then I was just exhausted. So, but the actual conception was, I would say peaceful. And then I have also felt despite a few anxiety flare-ups, which absolutely happened for me, and I'm probably will get into it and talk about it. But other than, you know, those panicky moments that come here and there for me, I have felt super zen and super calm and almost like I'm a bit more present and my energy is a bit more still. I don't really know how to explain it, but it kind of felt like up until this moment, like life was spinning at 100 miles per hour. I was go, go, go. I was excited about all the things I was working on. And naturally, as things shift into fall and winter, it also aligned with me getting pregnant and everything just got kind of quieter and more inward and still. And I think that has also contributed to um, this feeling like a super intimate few weeks and months for me as I've connected to myself closer with my husband, with my baby, and it's been very beautiful. I will say though, it is also confusing because until you're like showing, until you have like a little bump, you kind of like look down and you're like, hello, where are you? I'm very confused if you're here today or not because you don't see anything. And then once, you know, your first trimester symptoms fade, you're really like, um, hello. So it's also a weird kind of waiting period until you feel the kicks, until you see your belly growing, until you, until all those like typical later in pregnancy sensations come around. So what else? I think I think that was it. Returning just to surrender and um, the present moment and not getting too attached to trying to control the situation. Like you can't really control any of this. I'm starting to believe that you can't really control much of anything in life. And so especially growing a baby, I mean... You don't even know all the things that are happening. I like get to, I read every week what's happening in your baby's development that week. And it's just crazy. It's like this week they grew bones and it's like, how, from who, who told them to do that? Like, this is so crazy. And then this week your placenta is now supporting the baby and it's, you're just like, how, how is this possible? And you just have to surrender. And it's a beautiful reflection on how you really have to surrender everything in life. And I am really in a daily practice of remembering that right now, not even related to my pregnancy, but related to my own crazy mind and anxiety and remembering that 
life is about surrender in all forms and trusting in something greater and just kind of giving up the idea that this mind and this like thinking mind will get yourself out of situations and like solve problems and like get you everything you want in life. It's a very good executor and it's a very good organizer, but it's not good at like the strategy and understanding your deeper desires in life and because it's operating from your ego, it's operating from all the things you've picked up along this long life, it's operating from what you see other people doing, it's not connected to source, your soul, God, the universe, what's best for the greater good, your greater good, your community's greater good, your family's greater good. It's really driving the show from your ego. I've tried to in the past few weeks, and I mean always, but like it's been a very present reminder lately that I really want every action, every forward movement, if there is any, to not be from this thinking mind. I really want it to be from my heart and what I receive when my feet are firmly planted on the ground and I'm still. I really don't make wise decisions when I'm in a whirlwind moving at 100 miles per hour. I make the best decisions for the long term when I move a little bit more slowly and quieter and I get still and go inward. And so what can I do to create that stillness in my life? And that's what I have been focusing on lately. I'll touch on this briefly, but like I mentioned, it doesn't pop up as much now as it used to. But um, since I was in college and who knows, I've heard stories of people in my life being concerned that it started much younger, but I've dealt with health OCD. And so what that used to look like was it looked like months and months of very inward obsessions and your mind getting absolutely hooked on certain ideas and fears and things that you made your reality even though they're just in your head and so it really used to be months of it and to the point where it was hard to do work it was hard to socialize because I I was like I can't hang out with people right now I really have to solve this problem in my head I have to figure out a way to get out of it I have to figure out a way to feel safe again because I'm petrified of the things that are in my head right now and what feels like it's real. And so that was towards the end of college and and then and then it like came and went and then it came back a little bit when I was living in LA and then it was um maybe like weeks long but it was still the same thing like pretty random but as soon as you're triggered you are absolutely triggered and can't get out of it and I know people with who have dealt with OCD might um, understand that sensation what I have found is it does feel different than anxiety because I along with I think everyone in the world deals with anxiety from you know time to time that's a bit more like truly situational like oh, this fight with this friend or 
this problem at work, like I'm kind of getting hung up on it, like I got to let it go. But it's a lot different than feeling like you have this situation that feels so real, but part of you knows you're crazy, so you can't really talk about it with anyone because it's not real. It's just like a fear in your head. And you kind of get frustrated when you talk to people because they keep saying, you're fine, you're good, you're safe, everything's okay. And you're just like, no, you're wrong. You, Why aren't you as freaked out as I am? Why aren't you confirming that what I feel is real? And so it's a very tricky loop to get out of. And luckily, it's a loop that is so familiar to me now that... I catch myself a lot quicker. So what used to take months to come up for air from now might take me 24 hours, might take me 12 hours. I might catch it within the hour. And so I just want to touch on that because I have seen some people in my community be vocal about OCD and um, it's a very scary, lonely one to deal with because it's so, it's such a solo journey. Like it's not something that you can really talk about with people because again, you sound crazy um, and uh, you're not. Your brain is somehow trying to make you safe. It is somehow trying to deliver you with the worst case scenario so that you can solve it and then that you can feel safe and somehow along the way when you were young you were traumatized by something and you had to fend for yourself and you had to grow up really quickly and you had to solve problems when you didn't need to and you became hyper vigilant and so now you're an adult and those grooves in your brain are pretty set and so now you have to use your adult brain and learn to let those patterns go and so it is something that if you don't really nip in the bud it it gets deeper and it kind of spreads into fearing a lot of different things and um, extending the same thinking patterns into different areas of your life. I think it's great that people talk about these things more these days and uh, how our brain works and how Our thinking mind is unique to humans and you look at your dog and your dog is not worried about anything. And so sometimes when I am anxious, I just go pet my dog because I'm like, how do I be more like this adorable furry thing that just loves to sit in the sun and get pet all day? And I think it's just a good reflection that humans are very funny the way that our minds work. I don't know where I was going with that, but um, all of that is to say that this whole journey with my self-development, my work, the way I more proudly express myself with people in my life and even to myself, it's all because the other things just weren't working for many reasons. Like I think also something that I found is my anxiety, my panicky feelings, my OCD, All that would flare up when um, I was doing that thing where I didn't create stillness and when I wasn't operating truthfully. 
I would get super anxious when I was overworked and depleted emotionally, physically, did not have time in the day to utilize all the tools that help me feel inspired and joyful and in community that I, you know, all those things that I do now. And I think that the tool set that I have built over the past few years is only getting stronger and more consistent in supporting me and supporting my presence and connection with faith and surrender. Faith greater than control. Like control does not work for me. It, it doesn't work for everyone eventually. It does crumble apart. Or what joy is there? What like spontaneity in life is there if all you're doing is trying to control the situation? Like you're not leaving much room for surprise and for things to reveal themselves to you that are so much greater than you could even dream up. And so I guess I'll just share some things that have helped me with my relationship with my mind. Um, A lot of that is good movement, good food, good sleep. Like those are the bare minimum, but then also the bare minimum now is also listening to audiobooks or reading books on religion and faith and spirituality, reading books on Buddhism, reading books on Dharma, reading books or reading the Bible, uh, listening to podcasts about the Bible and the gospel, connecting with communities that are also in this work. These tools are things that I have to do to feel present and it's not even about doing anything it's through reading them I remember all the things that I seem to forget when I'm moving a bit too quick so it's all about just centering and I guess what all of these things show me is there is a layer so much deeper within our mind that we can always return to that instantly puts us in the place of love and gratitude and presence and universal connection and and peace through these tools we can return to that in every moment and um, through meditation through any buddhist teaching like i love my audiobooks on and i just go for walks and i listen even if my head was spinning before that even if i was totally hooked on this thought in my head that i just couldn't get rid of it kicks out that person who's driving the show and I'm put back in this observer mind and I'm put back in this place in my body that is so much deeper and giving that other self a hug. It is a totally different experience and it instantly shifts my perspective and how I operate the rest of the day. You know, some people say you can't treat OCD, you can't treat anxiety, you can't treat all these things without medicine. I completely disagree. I think that is why religion was invented thousands of years ago. It helped people deal with their minds. And so using these tools have been so helpful for me. And I am sure they will continue to be critically important as I'm raising children and I'm deal with the suffering that inevitably comes with living and of course on the other end of that there's incredible joy that comes with living but things go up and down all the time in life we're seeing that happen in our world 
every day. And so these are just some of the things that have really helped me. And I'm happy to share any of the books I'm listening to, any of the books I'm reading, any of the teachers I work with. I guess I went on a tangent. I was hoping to get to answering questions about my work and all the ins and outs of that, but I'm probably going on too long now. I just feel so grateful that I have found this outlet for my thoughts. It really actually helps me get still and it's almost like a meditation when I come up from recording. It's very cool to see what comes out. Like I did not have any notes, any talking points, anything. I've been letting it rip so we'll see how this goes in editing. Mm -hmm.